0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hey guys, welcome to the post postgame podcast for the 2019 season, week 11, the Atlanta Falcons in Charlotte, taking take take on our division rivals, the Carolina Panthers. Joining me as always is my co-host and fellow writer at the Falcoholic, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, DW? I'm good. Uh, it was a great weekend. We're going to jump straight into it because for the second week in a row, the Falcons have dominated a division opponent. Ob- obviously, last week. They went into New Orleans. They uh, pulled off the major upset for a seven one. The Orleans team that many people thought was one of the best teams in the NFC, maybe in the NFL. Uh, they beat them in their home, and they repeated the performance on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers, beating them twenty nine to three in Charlotte in in the division game. And it has a lot of people wondering if this now three and seven the Falcons team can actually finish out the season really strong and maybe even statistically make the playoffs, although I think the, the odds of that are somewhat low. Um, but I want to start, Evan, with the, the offense because uh, 29 points is a little bit of a misnomer. They actually scored um, 22 points offensively. There was a punt return touchdown from Kenyon Barner. Uh, so they, they did put on... Uh, You know, 22 points on the board, not exactly a dominant performance from the offense, but I felt like there were a lot of positive things. So real quick, Matt Ryan, 21 for 31, 311 yards passing, one touchdown. He broke a record that we'll talk about a little later. Um, The running game was a little bit underwhelming. Calvin Ridley uh, was arguably the best uh, player of the game on offense. Eight receptions, 143 yards, one touchdown. What were your what were some of your takeaways from the offense, how the Falcons offense did against uh, this enigma of a Panthers defense?
1: Yeah, um, I think the big elephant in the room was not having Austin Hooper, how the team would be affected because he's been playing this whole season at basically an elite level among tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, every statistic, he's basically been in the top three, um, like him and Travis Kelsey. So this was going to be a big test, um, coming into this game and the offense seemed, you know, for the most part, fine. Um, Calvin Ridley, obviously, as you mentioned, being the big benefactor from Hooper being out, um, eight receptions, 143 yards and a touchdown, like that's an incredible day for Calvin Ridley. And he looked good. Julio had, you know, typical Julio day, six receptions, 91 yards. Uh, Russell Gage got a little more action looking good. Um, And then at the tight end spot, I mean, Jaden Graham and Luke Stalker were the ones stepping up. Luke Stalker, I believe, didn't even have a, a target. Jaden Graham only had two catches for 23 yards. So it's pretty much, you know, they shied away from the tight end position uh, with Hooper being out. Um, it, you know, I was looking forward to seeing Jaden Graham more and, you know, having a long his longest catch be 12 yards like he did get used there. It's just they weren't going through the tight end position as they were in the past Um, So, basically, Ryan had to, you know, focus on his receivers, and he did that, and they they all, for the most part, played well. Um, The big thing I was looking at going into this game was the running back position, because obviously Devontae Freeman being out for, you know, probably multiple weeks, who knows at this point, but um, Brian Hill looked good in the action he's received this year, so it's going to be interesting seeing him go up against the Panthers, who... I mean, looking at just overall at the year, they've been one of the worst um, uh, run defenses. I think they were 29th ranked against the run, which is terrible. Um, I know, you know, in terms of fantasy football over the last four weeks, they've allowed the most uh, fantasy points to opposing running backs. So they've been dreadful. So it seemed like a big Brian Hill game. um, And it really wasn't. Uh, He had 15 carries for 30 yards, his longest being 11 yards. So you can pretty much tell how Brian Hills, day went, um, and obviously no touchdowns, actually one, he did score, but it was called back to a holding. And then, uh, Quadri Allison ended up scoring. He had four carries for 11 yards and look, you know, pretty decent in his first action. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean, I, I was expecting more from Brian Hill. I think that was the biggest takeaway going like leaving this game was, like Brian Hill should have had a much better day on 15 carries. Like if before this game, you told me he had 15 carries, I would have said he had maybe 70 yards or more. Um, I mentioned it on Twitter before the game, you know, as like a prediction. I was like, uh, you know, I thought it was pretty much a slam dunk almost. I was like, oh, Brian Hill, he'll probably go for over 100 because the last Falcons running back to rush for 100 yards was Brian Hill at Carolina. Uh, I think it was like week uh what 14 or something like that of the 2018 season he had like 115 yards um but yeah he fell way short of that um but aside from that everybody looked fine uh Ryan i mean he he had a nice day um yeah i mean that's pretty much my offensive takeaways though did you see anything else that i didn't mention
0: yeah you know i i felt like to your point coming in the panthers defense was one of the best Against the pass, they were one of the best in getting to the QB. You know, as far as sacks were concerned, I think they were top of the league, uh, and one of the worst uh, at stopping the run. So it it is somewhat funny that the Falcons' um, best success was through the passing game, and they couldn't get the run going again. Um, I mean, you know, it, division games tend to go sideways, anyways, but this one definitely went off script. Uh, the the Panthers did not seem to be able to get to Ryan consistently. Uh, he was pressured. He was sacked one or two times, but for the most part, for a team that you know has been leading the league in sacks, the Panthers did not get home to Ryan uh, as much as I thought they would. And you know, he had over 30 attempts, and you know, still managed to put up 300 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. So uh, this game again did not go to script, and I think that's one of the things to pay attention to is that the Falcons are sort of defying what the matchups look like the past couple of weeks, you know, last week against the saints. Uh, Certainly you thought the saints offense could score against this Falcons defense. And that did not go the script. And, you know, we saw that again this week with the Falcons defense, holding the Panthers to one measly field goal that they scored in the fourth quarter. Um, This Falcons offense, at least right now, I think is still, still has some problems. Um, Matt Ryan had his best game of the year, uh, bar none. I think his accuracy was much, much better uh, in this game than it has been in recent games. Uh, He dropped two fantastic bombs into the hands of Julio Jones uh, and Calvin Ridley in this game with pressure in his face. So if that continues, uh, the Falcons could be uh, in for a a really nice uh, finish to the season. And as you mentioned, Calvin Ridley, I thought was absolutely dominant in this game. He was taking advantage of, you know, some of the cover one looks that the, the Panthers were using throughout the game. Uh, He had eight targets, eight receptions. So uh, everything that went his way was caught and turned into yardage. Uh, Fantastic game from him. I will say, I do think Austin Hooper was missed. Even, you know, we look at the points, we see 29, you know, as I mentioned, seven from special teams, you see 22 points. I, I, you know, I don't know that Hooper was ever going to be a big factor in this game because the the Panthers do have some good linebackers, but uh, I I feel like he is missed. um, And I don't, I'm, I'm, I want to make sure that fans don't write off Hooper as being, you know, non essential to this offense after just one game because I don't think that is a fair sample size. (laughs) You know, yes, the Falcons succeeded, um, but it, For me, I'd I'd rather Matt Ryan have that reliable target uh, in in the middle, in in between the seams that he's used to, as opposed to not having him. But uh, overall, I felt like the offense did what they needed to do in this game. Again, um, I'll be honest, I'm still not entirely inspired by what Dirk Cutter is doing on offense. Um, I think Dave covered this at thefalcoholic.com in his uh, recap it is incredibly frustrating to see the Falcons run on first and second down and gain one, two yards and set up third and five, third and six, third and long, uh repeatedly. This has, you know, become a trend this season. And frankly, it was a trend in the Dirk Cuther years where we needed Matt Ryan to bail us out. Um, you know, even in two thousand twelve through two thousand fourteen, we needed Matt Ryan to bail us out from third and long situations a little bit more frequently than we would like to see. So uh, I'd want to see this offense play better, but clearly they did enough to win this game. So any final thoughts? I know, uh, you know, obviously with the 22 points, there were several field goals that, you know, factored into that. There were two, Hmm. two touchdowns and several field goals. Um, Anything you want to add, Evan, before we move on to the defense?
1: No, I mean, I think we pretty much summed it up. Uh, Young Wei Koo, he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, the one thing as a Matt Bryant lover and fan, um, I've wanted to see him <laughs> like further than 50. It seems like he's he's got, I mean, he missed one uh, yesterday, which, you know, wasn't a good look. But he's looked, uh, outside of that, he's looked good within like the 40 range, you know, which, right. you, you know, is something you want to see, but... I want to see when he's back in the 50s range, you know, because that's arguably where you're winning games, at least the close ones. Um, but he, the Falcons' offense has actually been pretty good over the last two weeks. Um, so they've been, you know, well enough to get him into field goal range where it's like he's knocking down. I think he had like two, two uh, 38-yard field goal attempts. The one was missed. Um, I think one was like a 20, 29-yard field goal, 23-yard field goal. Like those are great, but I want to see you know before I'm all aboard the coup train. Uh, I want to see <laughs> what uh, what he can do like in the fifty range, if that makes sense. But I mean, so far yep. he's, uh, I mean, he's looked better than the options we had initially with Blair Walsh and uh, Tavecchio. So um, yeah, yeah,
0: yep. Uh, it, it, and so far in the two games uh, from the bye, he is seven for eight. Um but as you mentioned, nothing above uh 50 yards at this point. It, it remains to be seen, you know, what he can do from that distance. And as you mentioned, I think it is uh that yardage, the 50 plus yard field goals, is really where kickers make their money. Anything you know below below 40, it should be somewhat automatic. Um, and yet, you know that's something where uh we took a lot for granted with Matt Bryant. Mm-hmm being the kicker in Atlanta. So uh but with that we're you know we we will see. Uh Youngway has uh I, I I doubt we'll see another kicker change this season. I think he's gonna be given until the end of the season. Yeah. He is a younger player. He's someone that, you know, I think uh the Falcons have moved on from Matt Bryant. I, I just don't see them going back at this point. It would be ridiculous if they tried to anyways.
1: To bring um, Bryant back?
0: Yeah, oh, it would yeah be there's just- no
1: Unless Ku comes out and completely is like kicking at 30%, there's no way he's yeah. not on the roster. <laughs> I mean, at this point, they just need to, you know, ride the ship out and you know, then they can have that discussion in the offseason. He hasn't done anything, I'll put it this way, he hasn't done anything to sabotage his job. It's just has he done anything to cement it as next year, you know, going forward? Because That's how we all looked at Tavecchio. We saw the field goals he was making last year, and you know the team did too enough to where they were getting rid of their franchise leading scorer to keep him. Um, So he's going to over the next few games, and that's not his fault. He hasn't had a fifty plus attempt. It's not like he's missing them. He just hasn't hasn't been in a position to do that in a game. Um, But I think if he does and he makes them all and looks good, you know. They're going to have a, you know, they might have had a bright spot here and have a kicker for, you know, next few years or whatever. So, but to be determined for now.
0: To be determined. Um, So before we jump into how the defense did in this dominant performance, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought
1: to you by cars.com.
0: And we're back on the Falcoholics postgame podcast for the Falcons victory, 29-3 over the Carolina Panthers in week 11 of the 2019 season. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Evan Birchfield, of, co- of course, my normal co-host for these postgame podcasts. We're going to talk about the Falcons defense because of all of the changes that have happened since the bye week, I, I think it is completely... Uh, non-debatable that the biggest surprise has been the turnaround in the Falcons defense. Last week uh, in New Orleans, they held the Saints to nine points, no touchdowns, uh, through four quarters. Um, They had six sacks on Drew Brees. They followed it up with this performance in Carolina, which included five sacks of Kyle Allen, four freaking interceptions. Like, where has this been? (laughs) Um, they allowed three points. So they have now, since the bye week, they've allowed 12 points in uh, the past two games. They have 11 sacks, four interceptions. This arguably is even better than I think what fans hoped the defense would be at the beginning of the season. Um, So Evan, what are some of your quick takeaways about this defense since the bye week? Because I feel like this is the biggest talking point in Atlanta right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, the sacks are coming out of nowhere. Um, it, they, yeah. <laughs> like we have a pass rush, and it's looked it's looked very good. Um, as you mentioned, the interceptions, like the one one Kyle Allen threw in it, in the end zone to Trufant, like you're taking points off the board and that sort of thing, um, which we're not used mm-hmm. to seeing because you know. It's just, it, usually that's why we end up losing because our defense just kind of folds in the red zone and that's it. They've been stepping up to the plate. Um, and, and you have to look at like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, ar- arguably there's, uh, at the running back position, he's probably the best right now in terms of what he can bring to the table. Also, yeah. aside from running the ball, you know, he's da- he's dangerous in the passing game. Um He had 14, so even split, he had 14 targets um, in the passing game. He had 14 carries in the rushing game. He went for 70 yards rushing, which is fine. Um, But he had 11 catches for 121 yards. You know, he still had a Christian McCaffrey day. And if you play fantasy football, you're well aware of that. The big thing, though, no touchdowns allowed across the board. Yep. Um, And that was something, because I don't think the Saints scored either, right? They scored, what, nine points? Nope. So it was just a bunch of field goals. goals. Yeah. Um, they're not allowing, allowing anybody to score. That's the biggest thing with this team. And, you know, you look at it and it'd be different if they were playing Kyle Allen back-to-back weeks, but they played Drew Brees and Kyle Allen. And Kyle Allen, for a while, the Panthers fans, and I'm sure their attitudes change now, they were kind of like, <laughs> wait a second, we you know who, we don't need Cam Newton. We have Kyle Allen, the future. Right. Four interceptions. He threw the ball fifty times. Like this Panthers team was getting beat, and they only put up three points. That's I mean that's amazing, especially considering the Falcons' defense. You know we were ready to throw them away pretty much the first half of the season. They've really stepped up to the plate, and you know if you listen to last week's show, you're probably going to hear me and DW basically saying. Okay, this was you know, we'll see if this was a one hit wonder sort of thing. Uh we me and you basically weren't very like, Oh yeah, this is the new defense that we'll definitely see next week. Right. <laughs> um we had our concerns, but I mean like are you still concerned because they've done it backpack weeks and arguably if you look at our schedule going into the regular season, these two were probably our toughest opponents. It's usually that at Carolina at Saints or at New Orleans. Um that's usually losses, and they didn't only beat yeah. them; they, you know, beat their ass basically. So, I mean, w- what do you think? Do you think this is? <laughs> and we can't ignore the elephant in the room that Dan Quinn apparently like they made some staffing changes and stuff like that, and right away this defense is all of a sudden one of the best out there. So, uh, do you, do you think there's you know like this is it going forward? This defense has basically changed face and, you know, this is what we've got now? Or what do you think is going on?
0: Yeah. I mean, it. you know, you mentioned the coaching changes with uh, Jeff Ulbrich calling the defensive plays on first and second down. And Raheem Morris, who I think arguably is the big name to pay attention to here. Raheem Morris, who took over the secondary after the bye and and is calling the third down plays for the the defense, has been looking at this secondary – It was a night and day difference from the first eight eight games to these last two games. Uh, Let's talk about some of these stats in secondary. Um, You've got Desmond Trufant with interception, uh, Ricardo Allen with interception and three pass uh, breakups. Um, DeMonte Kizzi interception and the pass breakup. Uh, Isaiah Oliver, no interceptions, but he had two pass breakups. This defensive secondary is playing at the level we thought that they would be capable of, and they're – they did it suddenly and out of nowhere. I had mentioned uh, at the bye week uh, when, I did, when I had done one of my podcasts analyzing the PFF scores for the Falcons defense, that the one thing that stood out was that the entire secondary had regressed across the board. Every single player had gotten worse all at the same time in one season. And that is just not statistically likely that pointed to an issue either with the scheme or with the coaches or with both. It is highly unlikely that every single player on your defensive secondary gets worse in the same season. Um, usually that's a sign again of coaching or what you're asking them to do. What we have seen the past two weeks is a secondary that is playing incredibly uh, better than what they were in the first eight games. You know, as we mentioned, true font, Allen, Casey, I- Isaiah Oliver, Kendall Sheffield, All these guys are playing at a much better uh, performance level than what they had in the first eight games. And then on top of that, the 11 sacks, holy cow. Um, You know, we had six against the Saints. Adrian Claiborne had two against the Panthers. Vic Beasley has back to back games with a sack. You know, watch out. He may get that $20 million contract. Um, uh, Tack McKinley had another sack. And I want to point out something about Tack. Even though the numbers don't appear to be there, I would argue that he has been one of our most disruptive pass rushers over the past couple weeks. Um, he is not this, you know. He he does have the sack. He had, a, I think, he had a sack last week. But he is m- generating pressure on a very consistent basis now uh, over the past several weeks, including going back to the to the game against the. Uh, uh, Oh, the Seahawks before the bye week. Mm-hmm. Um Tack, I think, has begun to turn it around, and he's a young player. He's in year three. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do to finish off this season. Um But yeah, the, it, it just seems like everything that they were getting wrong, they're suddenly getting right. 11 sacks in two games. Coming into the, the bye week, they had seven sacks in eight games. In the last two games, they have 11 sacks. So they literally have four more sacks in six less games. <laughs> I mean, that is that's mind-blowing. Now, how much of that is Kyle Allen versus, you know, it, again, you know, you mentioned that it. it's not like last week they were playing the scrub. They were playing Drew Brees in his home and they sacked him six times. They held him uh to no touchdowns. This week they made Kyle Allen look like somebody who needed to be benched legitimately. Four interceptions, um, you know, five sacks. He, what the Falcons did this weekend may single handedly make sure that Cam Newton stays in Carolina next year. (laughs) I mean, of all the things that happened, that that may be one of the big takeaways. And as you mentioned, I mean, this is such a great point. Both of these wins have been on the road. The Falcons have, I think, three of their next four games are at home, and those include games against Tampa. Uh, against the Panthers and against the Saints. Um, and I think the next one where they go on the road, I believe, is the 49ers, which is going to be a tough game. Obviously, one of the best teams in the NFC this year. Uh, we won't talk about who the head coach is there, but uh, I, where this Falcons defense is concerned, you, I think you asked me, Am I buying in? Yeah, I kind of am. Oh, and I think,
1: <laughs> I, I know, which you is. thought we'd be like, here a couple weeks ago. <laughs>
0: right? <laughs> I, I think the, the big thing is if it just came out of nowhere, it would be one thing. But it came after the bye. It came with, as you mentioned, substantial coaching changes uh, with you know Raheem Morris and Jeff Ulbricht sort of taking over in a, a combined defensive coordinator role. It, to me... The fact that they've done it on the road, they've done it back-to-back weeks, the fact that they've looked good for four quarters in each game. It, it wasn't like mm-hmm. they looked good for two quarters. They've looked good for eight straight quarters in both games. That feels like more of a real turnaround than maybe a false positive. So um, and the, I know I, I realize I've gone off on this defense because it's been really exciting, but any last thoughts about what you've seen from the defense, the sacks, the coverage, uh, just the opponents doing on the road? Any, anything you want to add?
1: Uh, no, I mean, you pretty much covered it, summed it up. Um, they're just, And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, they're just not allowing the opponents to score. You're definitely going to win games if you're not allowing touchdowns. <laughs> um, and this isn't just on the defense, but I noticed over the last two games, they've been having less penalties than their opponents. Yep. Um so they're pl- they're finally playing disciplined football because there was plenty of games in the first half of the season where they lost games because they had so many penalties. I mean, against Carolina, they only had 3 penalties um which was worth a 20 yards, but the Panthers had 8 uh which was 68 yards and you know, shooting they were basically shooting themselves in the foot multiple times the Panthers. So they're I mean it's like you don't want to sit here and brag too much because next week anything can happen but this team's turned it around and you know the proofs in the pudding basically because we talked about this you know even around the bye week how as you know the um where Julio apparently had like a big speech and the players you know they want to play for Dan Quinn and um Arthur Blank was in the room and since that po- and then somebody mentioned on Twitter that Tac um was in the room and apparently like looked someone who was really affected by it like okay we need to do something here um and he's played you know phenomenal ever since like i mean i don't want to you know usually we kind of ignore that kind of stuff but this team has turned it around we knew they were talented and even while they were losing like games they shouldn't have um we knew they were talented the staffing changes, all of that. Something's happened, but this this team is all of a sudden. You know, even people around the league are like, "What? Where has this team been?" You know, and the fans are definitely asking. Um, but yeah. you know, we'll see going forward. But I have to agree with you. The defense, I'm buying into it. Um, next week will be a you know an interesting test. Um, we'll be at home uh, playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who. You know, Jameis Winston has looked pretty good against the Falcons in the past, um, but, you know, so has Drew Brees, and he didn't score a touchdown against us in New Orleans. So, it's going to be interesting, you know, if the Falcons defense is going to step up again, um, because you mentioned it at the top of the show, and maybe you want to talk about it a little bit, but we're still not out of the playoff race. No. <laughs>
0: Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Statistically, and, and you and I talked about this, uh, Evan briefly in our writers chat. Mm-hmm. Um it, it seems like the the Falcons' best path to the playoffs is their to win the division and hope that the Saints fall apart in their last the you know six or seven games, which seems unlikely mm-hmm. because right now, you know, the Falcons' best possible record is nine and seven and you've got several teams in the NFC that already have eight wins, like 40, the 49ers have nine wins. Seattle has eight wins. The Vikings have eight win, wins. The Packers have eight wins. Uh, so they would literally need one of you know the, the uh, Seattle, mm-hmm. uh, Minnesota, or the Packers to literally just lose out yeah. for them to get the wild card. And the Falcons would still have to win out. So statistically – Really, really low chance that's going to happen. You know, their best bet, um, mathematically, is that the Saints, you know, sort of fall apart to finish the season and they win out and win the NFC South. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I think if you were going to bet money, I don't think anyone's going to put money down that the Falcons win the NFC South this yeah. year. But you know, you, you mentioned it. it. I think the biggest thing here is a lot of fans were questioning. Hey, this is—is the talent actually there? I had a lot of people ask me, you know, is this actually a talented team, or are we going to have to blow up this roster, get rid of a lot of these players? And I think the one thing we've seen over the past couple games is, yeah, if they're coached right, if they're put in the right position, the talent is there. You know, you don't hold a Saints team in their home to nine points without having talent you don't hold a Panthers team with Christian McCaffrey um, to three points in their home. Mm -hmm. So for me, even if they don't make the playoffs, one of the big takeaways we're seeing uh, from this last couple of games is that it is somewhat of a reaffirmation that the Falcons do have the talent to be successful. Is it too little, too late for 2019? More than likely. Uh, But for 2020, I think it does... Foretell a little bit that maybe you don't have to blow up the entire roster. Mm-hmm. That there are enough good pieces that you go into 2020. You put, you know, you, you fix some of the, the issues on this roster. You get some guys healthy again. This could be a very, very competitive team again in 2020 uh, without having to, you know, revamp from top to bottom. The, you know, minus the three or four superstars you've got. So for me, that's the most reassuring thing. I feel like the talent on this team has proven over the past couple of weeks that they deserve a chance to prove that they compete can compete and be good players at this level. So mm-hmm. um, playoffs or no playoffs, the performance of the individual players is what is highly encouraging for me.
1: Yeah, um, definitely.
0: So with that, we're going to wrap up this week's post game podcast. Evan, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on.
1: Yeah, uh, you can find me, Ryan at the Falcoholic, on Twitter, at Evan Birchfield. Um, I just want a shameless plug here. I do have, and probably by the time you're listening to this, it's probably posted, but a playoff chances article. um, DW basically summed up a lot of it, um, and I don't want to give too much away because then you won't read it, but basically the Falcons have... (laughs) Go read it. Yeah, go read it. They'll have, like, they went out, you know, there's still a pretty good chance they could, you know, they need help. As DW said, um, but go read that. Um, let's see what else. I got my tweet recap, which is probably out by the time you're reading this all, or listening to this. Also, um, and then on Fridays I do a fantasy preview um, for that week's game, which this week it'll be the Buccaneers. And then I mention uh, league-wide stuff. And uh, yeah, so you know, hopefully by the time you hear me and DW's voice again, it's because we beat the Buccaneers and we're four and seven and (laughs) Lord knows what else is going to happen after that. But uh, yeah, it's good to see a team that finally wants to win games. It seems like so. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, And I know that one last thing I want to add, because I know a lot of fans are out there frustrated by the fact that, you know, arguably the Falcons are blowing their chance quote unquote at drafting Chase Young, uh, one of the top pass rushers coming out Uh, arguably uh, in the last five, 10 years, Uh, And and here's the thing. Um, Just enjoy the games. You know, when you get lost in the minutia of draft position and salary cap, and it is hard. As passionate fans, we we dive into all that stuff. We want to see our team succeed. But oftentimes, I think we overdo it, and myself included. Just enjoy the games. Yesterday's game was fun. It was fun to watch the Falcons win. It was fun to watch the defense dominate. Just enjoy this game. Enjoy the game for what it is. Um, You know, we are fans of this team. Uh, We are fans of these players. So enjoy it. You know, I think we get way too wrapped up in the minutia of, you know, the management of this team. And uh, right now, I think, you know, two straight wins, this is making the season fun again. So for me, you know, as a fan, even though we cover the site at the Falcoholic, uh, this, this has been an enjoyable experience. Uh, As for me, guys, you can find me, of course, here weekly on the Falcoholic podcast uh, at thefalcoholic.com. And you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch up with you next time.